Another awful outing by Sean Manaya yesterday directly leads to a blowout Giants loss and a series loss against an inferior team at home. And so with the Giants overall not performing great at 16 and 20, and with guys like Manaya and Stripling not performing out of the starting rotation or in the bullpen, it's time to make some changes. You are locked on Giants. Your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there. If you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And coming up on today's show, we're going to just discuss the dreadful starts to the season for pretty much every single off-season signing that the Giants have made. I'm going to, I just want to, before you just go into a fit of rage about this, the players who have performed best for the Giants think just even in the starting rotation are also signings, but just weren't this off season, like Alex Cobb and Tony DiScalfani, right? And then, you know, on the hitting side, they've had plenty of successes. And then of course, Gosman and Rodon and those types of guys. And so it's kind of, you know, it's just like it just happens to be that this offseason's signings through five weeks have really, really struggled pretty much across the board, including on the offensive side, looking at someone like Michael Conforto, who finally hit a home run after snapping an 0 for 20 yesterday. So hopefully he can get it going. And I do do believe he can. But where I'm less optimistic and frankly, I didn't I wasn't particularly thrilled with the signing at the time. You can go back and check the receipts. I I was like I don't love this Sean Manaya signing. Just because when you look at how he performed last year with the Padres, there wasn't a lot that I was seeing that stood out to me. Like when they signed Alex Cobb to like a similar contract essentially, I could see like underlying numbers that suggested that there was uh something there that they could get out of him. And same with like Kevin Gosman, when they first signed him, remember it was a one year, $9 million deal. And so he wasn't a hundred million dollar pitcher when they signed him. He was a guy available for one year, less than $10 million. And yet you could see some of the, some of the underlying metrics suggesting that there was perhaps another gear and perhaps a lot of other gears in the tank there. But with Sean Manaya, personally, I didn't see it when I looked through the numbers. However, I must point out this front office, frankly, is definitely uh, smarter than me. And they, they have way more 
inside information, proprietary information, the way they evaluate players is so much more advanced than anything that I'm doing on this show. And that's true of pretty much every team in the league, just to be clear about that. And so they clearly, the thing too, I mean, Mania had a bad 2022 with the Padres, but was generally a good pitcher for the A's for a number of years and in his career kind of at worst overall just like an average pitcher and so what we've gotten so far is not even close to average like they would take average out of Sean Mania and Ross Stripling but instead they've had well below average performance so what does it look like and what do they do what does it look like well Sean Mania has a 7.96 ERA. He's made six starts, eight appearances, so two out of the bullpen. Uh, uh, The expected ERA is 8.00, and so he has earned every bit of that 7.96 ERA according to expected ERA, which is kind of a stat cast metric that's evaluating like the, the balls that are hit against you, regardless of whether they're like caught or not. It's kind of based, you know, like when we say, oh, oh, that had an expected average of whatever, it's kind of using that and taking out whether or not a great play was made of the equation. But the fielding independent pitching is, I guess, a little bit better, but still just ridiculously high at 6.62. And even the expected fielding independent pitching at 5.02. There's just nothing here that looks positive. I guess you could say his strikeout rate is fine at 24.8%. It's a little bit above average. Uh, The walk rate, though, that's the thing is he has had so much trouble with command. And he's not a guy historically, I mean, right now, his walk rate, he's walking about 13% of the batters he faces. Whereas in his career, that rate is 6.4%. And so literally, he's walking more actually his current walk rate is 12.8% and the career walk rate is 6.4. So it's exactly double the uh, career walk rate. And so he just doesn't have the command that he normally has. I'm looking through every season of his career. He He's pitched starting in 2016, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. He's never not pitched in a season. And his highest career walk rate was 7 point, or excuse me, his highest single season walk rate was 7.9%. And again, right now it's 12.8%. And so it's uncharacteristic of him to be this wild. And, you know, the barrel rate against him and barrels, meaning not just hitting it on the sweet spot, but like hitting a barrel is like an official term it's a stat cast term, and it's like you hit the ball hard and you hit it in an ideal range of launch angles, which are essentially like off the ground in the air, but not too high, like pop-ups. So you hit it hard at a good angle. That's called a barrel. And his barrel rate against him is very high at 17.3%. I would imagine if I look up the leaders in terms of the worst barrel rate allowed, that would probably be up there towards the top. And then, and again, in his career, the barrel rate is 7.4%. So we're talking way more than double his career average here. And so, and also he's only stranding 51% of his base runners, which is just a ridiculously poor number. Whereas in his career, all pitchers actually who are not like, 
you know, I couldn't go out there and strand 72% of my base runners because I'm not a major league player, but pretty much all major leaguers, generally speaking, are going to end up around this magic number of stranding about 72% of the base runners they allow. And indeed, in Stripling, uh, in Manaya's, I may have said Stripling instead of Manaya sometimes here, but in Manaya's career, uh, that number is 72%, but this year it's 51% right now. And then lastly, the batting average on balls in play against him this year is 338, whereas in his career, it's just 291. And so this is not the Sean Manaya of even his career. And I think when they signed him, the hope was that they could make him even better than he was in his career. Like that's that's what they've done with other pitchers. You look at Di Sclafani, you look at Cobb, you look at Gosman, uh, Rodon, like just getting the most out of them and taking them to another level. But with Stripling and Manaya, it's been the opposite where they've been worse than like much worse than their career averages. And so at this point, Given that the Giants are 16 and 20, there's a lot of pressure on them to perform well this year. If they have another disappointing year, if they miss the playoffs, if they finish below 500, like the, the, the front office has to be feeling the heat about a slow start. And I think the Casey Schmidt move kind of shows that they're. Someone asked me in a mailbag episode, like, how aggressive are they going to be promoting young talent? And I said, not necessarily that aggressive and it depends on it like based on need and right now there's a need and so i think that it is time to start thinking about uh replacements for some of these guys and at least just moving them to the bullpen so what do you do do you dfa them do you move them to the pen do you use the injured list we'll get into all of that in just a minute but before we do i want you to know that this episode is brought to you by game time Buying tickets to your favorite event, whether it's the Giants or a concert or theater or whatever, shouldn't have to be so stressful. And I know for me, I've had countless times when I'm mostly afraid that I'm not getting the best price and also not to mention being hit by hidden fees. Also, if I'm going to a new venue, not being able to know what the view from the seat really looks like and all of that is solved with game time. They've got images of seat views, the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. And with the game time guarantee, it means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, Create an account and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, here we go. More to get into. What do you do with the struggling Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling? I didn't really get into the numbers for Stripling, but they're not much better. I'll just briefly mention 6.66 ERA, 7.24 expected ERA, 6.58 fielding independent pitching. At least for him, the expected fielding independent pitching, which is just simply saying like if he wasn't allowing so many home runs, what would we expect his ERA to be? And at least for him, that number is 3.90, whereas with Manaya, it doesn't even save him if like if he were allowing a normal rate of home runs 
it doesn't it still wouldn't save him the era the expected era would be 5.02 with a normal home run to fly ball ratio and a normal batting average on balls in play so just ugliness across the board for Sean Manaya and I think unplayable at this point especially in high leverage situations and I consider the start of the game every game is a high leverage situation it is a it is a tie game and it is the leadoff hitters the best hitters in a lineup coming up every game that's what the most runs scored in an inning is the first inning on average like in baseball because again it's it's the top of the lineup and also probably has to do somewhat with the pitcher kind of settling in, but also it's always the top of the lineup. And so anyway, when I say I wouldn't put him in high leverage situations, I mean, I wouldn't have him start another game until he figures some things out. I, I Some people, you know, on Twitter are suggesting DFAing Sean Manaya or Ross Stripling, and I just don't think that's in the cards five weeks into a two-year deal. These are one-year deals with opt-outs, but based on the performance, you're obvious they're obviously uh, trending towards not opting out. There's a lot of season left, and so I'm, uh, I don't think we can make that determination yet. But they're not just going to DFA these guys. I think at, at the most extreme thing you would see is like a like an injured list thing with like a you know calf tightness just something something minor everybody's got something minor going on anyway the giants play the d-backs tonight at 6 40 pacific and it's a big four game series against a team in the division that has been playing better than the giants they have a better record than the giants and it is a four game series and the giants have alex cobb on the mound they'll be facing a lefty we'll discuss how their lineup against lefties just took a hit in the last game, so catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants, the Everydayers. Uh, thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen. Those Everydayers will hear us tomorrow breaking down an important game one. All the games are important, but right now when you're 16 and 20, you're facing a team in your division that really you kind of have to finish ahead of if you want to make the playoffs, I think, in the D-backs. And so you got to go in there and at the very worst split can't be getting swept in a four-game series or losing three out of four. I guess you could possibly survive three out of four, but you know there's so much season left, so you could survive anything. But if the Giants could take three out of four or you know sweep this series, that would be huge. So anyway, again, I don't see them DFAing anybody here. You could certainly see someone go on the injured list. Like I said, every, everybody's got something going on with them physically, and so technically you can use that. You're not allowed to like make up injuries and just use the injured list as a roster manipulation technically, but teams kind of do it anyway in a way. So I think you could see that, but at the very least, I don't think Sean Manaya makes his next turn in the rotation, certainly. And for Ross Stripling, I have a little bit more faith in Ross Stripling. He did have a pretty good outing. Uh, at Houston when he went five innings and allowed just two runs, zero walks, five strikeouts. Numbers look good there at Houston. I mean, that's a tough environment to pitch in. It's a good lineup. But then he followed it up giving up five runs, two homers in his next start at home against the Brewers. But I could see Stripling getting more opportunities. But for Manaya, I think there's a move to the bullpen where I think you pitch them in blowouts like if you're up 
nine to nothing, give them a shot. Or if you're down by like eight runs, give them a shot. But I do not think that he should continue to pitch in the rotation. So what are the alternatives? Well, Alex Wood, thankfully, it seemed like the hamstring injury he sustained was going to be maybe somewhat serious and make him miss a lot of time. Gabe Kapler said several weeks at least. And right now it's been it's been about several weeks and he's about back. And so it's kind of perhaps best case scenario based on those comments. He did make a rehab start several days ago. The Giants are not announcing who their starters are going to be in this series. Like I said, Alex Cobb is pitching tonight, and that's a good thing for the Giants. He's pitched well. So again, before you bury the front office for these signings of Stripling and Manaya, don't forget, they also signed Alex Cobb, who's been great, and Di Scalfani, who's been great outside of his last outing. And so you're not going to win them all. Also signed Gosman and Rodon to those deals, but... Anyway, they're not announcing their starters after Cobb in this four-game series. And so that means a lot of different things. It could be it could be that a move gets made from the minor leagues. And that's like that's where the rubber meets the road here most significantly. Like I said though, Alex Wood, I think, is a candidate to come off the injured list instead of getting another rehab start, just simply because they have to avoid Manaya in the rotation and possibly stripling in the rotation as well. But I, I think you could live with maybe giving stripling some more opportunities to start. And if you put him in the bullpen, can you imagine a bullpen where you've got stripling and Manaya and Junis? And right now also Tristan Beck. These are all starting caliber type players. And so all of a sudden your bullpen is just full of starters, which is weird. And and those guys like Manaya and Stripling haven't performed well out of the bullpen either. And when they're taking up so much of your bullpen, you end up having to use them in leverage situations and they just have stunk. And so that's why maybe you, maybe an IL trip is necessary at this point. I don't, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. But the real question is, do they make a move for a youngster? And specifically, I'm talking about Kyle Harrison. I'm talking about Keaton Wynn as well, someone we haven't spent nearly enough time discussing on this show. But for Kyle Harrison, I believe he's in line to start again today for Sacramento, assuming they have a game, which I'm checking right now. Uh, Yeah, Rivercats tonight at 645. So if he doesn't make that start, if he's like scratched from that start, that is serious prospect watch because, you know, could they call him up at this point? I think that they want to see him continue to do what he did in his last outing when he went four innings. It's not a lot of innings, but he faced only 12 hitters, struck out seven, gave up one hit and walked zero. And so the issue for Harrison, you've heard me say this before, if you listen to if you're an everydayer but has been walks. But for for him to suddenly have an outing with zero walks, if he can just do that, and I'm not saying you have to walk zero, but like one or two at most, uh, uh, one or two more times, I think that he becomes an option to be in that starting rotation. And, you know, suddenly you'd be looking at Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Alex Wood, Tony DiScofani, Kyle Harrison as your starting five. And that would, you're just feeling a lot better about that than what you've seen out of Manaya and Stripling at the back end of that starting rotation. So, coming up in just a minute, I also want to discuss Keaton Wynn as a possibility. Like, he's really pitched well over his last 
handful of outings as well. And then some other just notes to cover with an injury that hurts them against left-handed pitching, and they're going to face a lefty tonight. So lots more to get into in just a minute. But before before we do, I want you to know that this episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. So Rare recently partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com, to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, as promised, a little bit about Keaton Wynn and also just updating you on some things. There was a injury that hurts the Giants tonight. Tonight, they're going to be hurt by the fact that there was this injury that hopefully could be kind of minor, but possibly isn't minor. So we'll get to that and so much more in just a minute. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, breaking down game one against the D-backs. First time the Giants have seen this team this year. They're a good team. They're an athletic team. They kind of ran circles around the Giants last year. And so it'll be a test, a real test. And it's a four-game series. And D-backs are, I think they just, they came off losing two out of three to the Marlins, I think. And so maybe the Giants catching them at a good time. The Giants play the D-backs tonight at 640 Pacific. Catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Giants. So, yeah, just wanted to also mention Keaton Wynn in addition to Kyle Harrison as a possible candidate to get called up at some point in the not-too-distant future. So when I look at uh, the – he had a rough first couple of games in which he allowed a total of seven earned runs in six and a third innings over his first two outings. He, over the last several, has – uh, in four starts, one relief appearance that went four and a third inning. So I guess there was an opener or something. 16 and two thirds innings, a 2.70 ERA. And if I look at some of the more advanced metrics over that span, we're talking about a uh, 30.1% strikeout rate, which is just very healthy, and only a 6.8% walk rate, which is also very healthy. And a 2.70 ERA and a 2.30 fielding independent pitching. I think he's allowed he's allowed zero home runs over that span. So fielding independent pitching is influenced by home runs, but he's allowed zero home runs in the Pacific Coast League, which is a very lively offensive environment. And so I remember Dan Zimborski when he did his like Zips projections for the Giants going into 2023 mentioned Keaton Wynn as a guy that his projection system Zips really liked and he said that Wynn reminded him of Kevin Gosman with the mix of pitches so he's got a good splitter 
he's got a good fastball and he's done well over his last five outings in AAA. And so Keaton Wynn, and I just want to also say Farhan Zaidi, I can't remember the exact quote, but I think it was on the Giants Talk podcast with Pavlovich and Cole Kuyper, and they interviewed Zaidi, and I think he basically said essentially the way that they're building up their pitchers and they're kind of having smaller workloads at the beginning because they found that that helps limit injuries down the road to build them up slowly. But the point was he said he basically called out Kyle Harrison and Keaton Wynn as, quote, potentially imminent big leaguers. And so, yeah, I mean, when you've got guys just stinking up the joint in the starting rotation like they have with Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling, that is when you start thinking about making a move. And clearly with Casey Schmidt as an example, they they're willing to make some moves and go to some youth when there's a need. And as I said on that mailbag episode, they're not going to just do it if guys are performing well. But right now these guys are not performing well at all. And so I think that we very well could see a move made uh Maybe Wynn is is ready. Tristan Beck is is also already on the roster, and he could get a start. I think he's looked better than Sean Manaya, so he could even just get the start over a Sean Manaya without having to make a roster move. But I'm more intrigued, obviously, by Kyle Harrison, but also Keaton Wynn is a name to watch as well. So the last few things I want to mention: Austin Slater hurt himself. Uh, trying to run out a ground ball. It would have scored a run if he hadn't hurt himself running out the ground ball. He just like totally stopped running uh, and it would have been a run. They were already down. It was like 10 to two at the time. So I guess it didn't really matter. They did end up scoring six runs on the day, but Slater dealt with a hamstring injury earlier. And that's why he missed a lot of time along with an elbow injury, but he hurt it again. And he's an important part of that lineup against left-handed pitching. I want to say like without I don't have the roster and the minor league rosters pulled up right now but I believe that the kind of obvious move to replace Slater if he has to go on the IL would be Bryce Johnson and that it would kind of remain a platoon there and you'd probably see Johnson against lefties and uh, Brett Wisely against righties and so I wouldn't be shocked if Slater goes on the IL today and that they call up Bryce Johnson who came off the concussion IL and then they optioned him back to AAA but they could obviously call him back up uh, with if Slater has to go on the IL. Wanted to mention that Conforto finally broke out of his slump and hit a home run. Uh, I believe long term in Conforto, like more than even more by a lot than I'm believing in the likes of Sean Manaya. Because I mean, Conforto is just a consistently really good hitter in his career. And he's just been bad, frankly, with the Giants. Hit some clutch homers early in the year, but has just been in a deep slump for about a month. But he didn't play all of last year. Timing is probably an issue, and I just believe in him long term. So just keep running him out there against righties, maybe sit him against tough lefties. But uh, I believe in Michael Conforto, and I believe in Mitch Haniger. So that's one of those cases where I just think it's a small sample thing and that over the course of 162, the talent will come out. And we saw it yesterday with a booming home run to right center field. And just want to mention too, like, do you realize Carlos Correa has been horrible so far this season for the Twins? And so I don't think, oh, that means Correa's doomed and he actually is terrible. I think it's the same thing where it's just a small sample 
And, you know, he's been just about as bad as Michael Conforto. And so, you know, imagine if the Giants had signed him for $350 million and he was performing like Michael Conforto is is performing. It would be even more of a, it would be a huge story around here, but I would be saying, stay calm. He's got a track record, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you look around the league and in five weeks of a season, you see stuff like that. But you like to see some encouraging signs. And I haven't really seen that with the likes of Manaya, but we have seen it with Conforto. I mean, early on in the season, he was swinging the bat pretty well. He's also, his walk rate is really good. He's, he's, he's doing a good job of like not swinging at balls, but when he's getting pitches to hit, he just hasn't been hitting them lately. But I think, you know, that home run being his final swing of the game last night, hopefully it carries over. They're facing a lefty tonight, so I wouldn't be shocked if he's not in the lineup, but uh, because he ha- because of the struggles, I'm not sure you just want to push it and have him not have the platoon advantage. Let him kind of be comfortable in the box and not facing lefties while he's in a deep slump. So I had even more that I could get to. I wanted to mention 16 and 20 is not a death sentence for the Giants. There's so many examples. The Pirates started out 20 and 8. If that team can go on a 20 and 8 run, by the way, they're 1 and 9 since, then... There's no reason the Giants couldn't go on a 20 and 8 run. And you might say that's crazy. But in July of 2019 when the Giants finished 77 and 85, they went 19 and 6 in July, which is basically almost identical to that Pirates run I'm talking about. And so it happens in a season where you have stretches where you play well, stretches where you play poorly, and at the end of the day, you can't really know which one is the true performance until all is said and done and 162 have been played and really the true performance ends up being the combination of it all so anyway 16 and 20 they're kind of staying afloat but you'd like to see them having having won a series against the nationals at home they've played the nationals the royals the tigers and the marlins and i believe they're two and eight against those teams and that just that's just why they're in the position they're in they've played poorly against teams that they should be beating and now you've got another tough scrappy team that gave them a lot of trouble yesterday I mean last year in the Diamondbacks coming up the Giants play the D-backs tonight at 640 Pacific catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search Giants once again my name is Ben Kaspik thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day every day or tomorrow on the show you'll be hearing us breaking down this important Series opening game with Alex Cobb on the mound. Come on, go out there and win a game, please, Giants. So uh, I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.